Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is John Hunter Nemechek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the May 24th edition of Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 139 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, we've been discussing NASC past and present, talking a little bit of IndyCar, and seeing what the future of auto manufacturing holds. As all of you know, it's going to be... Apparently, the gremlins have come back into the... Uh, once again, this is Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder. Uh, apparently, the gremlins have crawled back into the program, and they just disconnected me from the studio for a few seconds there. But hopefully, that's the only gremlin we have for tonight. Won't guarantee anything, though. Our first guest this evening is Brock Beard, author of J.D., The Life and Death of a Forgotten NASCAR Legend. And we'd now like to welcome him to the program. Hello, how are you doing this evening? Doing okay, Mr. Sigler. Thank you for having me on tonight. Thank you very much for having me on. First off, can you tell us a little bit how you got your inspiration for the book? Well, you know, uh, it's interesting. I've always been uh, in, you know, I've never been like a big like Dale Earnhardt fan or a Jeff Gordon fan. You know, I've I've always been curious about drivers that, uh, you know, that people don't really talk about too much. And, um, you know, one of the things that it led me to do is uh, create a website called lastcar.info where I follow drivers at the back of the field. And uh, when I did that, um, there's a certain figure that keep, kept sprouting up all the time was this driver named J.D. McDuffie, who ran 653 races from 1963 through his untimely passing in 1991, and uh, the most starts of any NASCAR driver without a win. And it was surprising to me, this was about 2000, 2001, how little information I could actually get on hand. So I basically the research I did for this book really began at that moment. Can you tell us a little bit more about J.D. McDuffie? I'm sorry? Hmm? Can you tell us a little bit more about J.D. McDuffie and how he impacted NASCAR? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was uh, – it, it was a very interesting story with him. Uh, beyond his statistics, uh, he was an owner-driver who ran his shop out of Sanford, North Carolina, and uh, he didn't have any major factory support or anything like that right from the start. You know, got secondhand cars from other drivers and other teams. And uh, he basically was just himself and his family and a few friends. And uh, he always ran number 70. He began running that number uh, back when he was running the short tracks in uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. And uh, he was he was an excellent dirt track racer. But like a lot of these dirt track racers, it was really a challenge to transition into pavement racing which became NASCAR's bread and butter through the 1970s and 1980s. And, uh, you know, part of it was that adjustment. Part of it also, you had the development of multi-car teams, which, of course, are so common in the sport today. And, uh, but, you know, he, he gained a massive amount of respect. Um, you know, he was a very, um, he was sometimes bashful, but a very polite and very, um, um, uh, an excellent competitor, you know, that always wanted to make sure that, you know, he would take up his space on the road and he would make you earn, you know, any spot that you got past him there. But he was also very knowledgeable about the limits of his own equipment and tried to work within that range as well. So a very interesting personality and somebody, again, that persisted for so long in his career. 
You mentioned your site a second ago, the NASCAR.info. We know it focuses on the underdogs in NASCAR. Which current underdog do you think will be the next big star in the sport? Well, you know, it's very it's a very good question because you know in in um, NASCAR racing, unfortunately, a charter system has made it very difficult for owner drivers to actually kind of get a start in NASCAR's premier edition. However, in the lower series, in the Xfinity area, in the Truck series, that are both development for the Cup series. Uh, there's several drivers that, you know, anybody can uh, be pulling for. Two that immediately come to mind are uh, Tommy Joe Martins, who's running in the Xfinity series. Uh, he's a very outspoken driver, uh, you know, that's, and also very passionate about the sport's history. Uh, he's working with another owner-driver named B.J. McLeod and working his way through the rankings. He's also a very excellent writer as well and has done a number of articles on uh, basically how the other half lives in, in NASCAR. And the other one is Jordan Anderson, who is in the truck series. He's very big, uh, you know, has a very great uh, fan uh, following. And he's also, you know, again, working on his own team. He actually just started his new team this year after working with some other people and uh, is really trying to build that from the ground up. And both of them, I'm sure, have designs on getting up to the Cup Series as well. So for your listeners, I would highly recommend following the both of them. Who's your favorite current driver in the Cup Series? Oh, gosh. You know, it's it's such a – the sport has changed so much these days. Uh, I grew up – I was a Ricky Rudd fan and uh, Jerry Nadeau. Again, drivers that weren't necessarily the biggest names in the sport. However, you know, certainly in Ricky Rudd's case, being nominated for the Hall of Fame, um, you know, he is uh, – certainly lately uh, of the current crop in the cup series right now, my favorite driver is I would have to say would be Daryl Wallace jr. Um, he has been just an outstanding personality in the sport and certainly driving for Richard Petty, um, you know, has helped that as well. And I think this year in particular, you know, the, the youth movement in there is, has produced a very exciting group of drivers there, Wallace included, and they all seem to just get along with each other really well. And uh, that's something I think, I hope I'm hopeful that it's going to keep uh, keep bringing fans into the sport. I can't really afford to have a, a favorite driver for uh, you know for my uh, uh, my work with Lascar and everything. I try to be as fair and balanced as I can, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't keeping an eye on Wallace specifically. <laughs> and how would our listeners be able to get a copy of JD: The Life and Death of a Forgotten NASCAR Legend? Absolutely. Well, the uh, book is available at WaldorfPublishing.com. Waldorf is a small publisher out of Texas, and uh, we are very excited that they've uh, they've signed on to uh, to help us out with this and get it all uh, shiny and new and ready for production. If you check out their website, WaldorfPublishing.com, the book is available there. You can also get it at Amazon.com, Walmart, uh, Barnes and Noble, Nook, just about every other retailer. And uh, the release date will be July fifteenth, so just coming right around the corner. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about uh, about JD. And hopefully we'll be able to see your, your book in the bookstores, and we look forward to seeing it in the future. Sounds excellent. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. Right. You too. Once again, that was Brock Beard, the author of J.D., The Life and Death of a Forgotten NASCAR Legend. As he said, his book will be available pretty much anywhere books are sold starting July 15th. After a successful 2017 ARCA Racing Series for Zampi Bernard's campaign, Chad Finley Racing returns to competition this week at Charlotte Motor Speedway, with NASCAR Kemper World Truck Series veteran Austin Hill set to make his record his second career ARCA start in Thursday night's General Tire 150 at the Speedway.
Hill will pilot the team's number 51 Chevrolet and look to better his 13th place performance three years ago at Daytona Air National Speedway, his lone start in the development series, who, re- which, who recently acquired by NASCAR. The Winston, Georgia native, returns to the 1.5-mile speedway on the heels of a solid top-20 finish last Friday night in his first full-time truck series effort for young motorsports. Hill and crew chief works Bruce Cook participated in the open test session at the Concord, North Carolina Speed Plant. However, their practice was cut short after mechanical failure abruptly ended their activity. Cook said he's ready to, to, for the opportunity to shine with Hill. Jeff Finley, president of Chad Finley Racing and a former ARCA winner himself, says adding Hill to the team's stable can elevate the team's rental portfolio. Auto Value Service Centers and Airlift Company will serve as associate marketing partners for the sixth ARCA race of the year. The General Tire 150, which is comprised of 100 laps and 150 miles, is the sixth of 20 races on the 2018 ARCA Racing Series presented by Menard's schedule. Practice began this afternoon with a two-hour practice session from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Time qualifying was set for 5 p.m. today. And the race is set to take the green flag this evening, shortly after 9 p.m. So as soon as the show is over, head to Fox Sports 1, which will be televised live, while ArcaRacing.com will stream live timing and scoring throughout the entire festivity. All times are Eastern. If you're interested, you can follow Austin Hill on Twitter at Dash Austin Hill. In other NASCAR news, NASCAR announced yesterday the inductees will comprise the NASCAR Hall of Fame Class of 2019. The five-person group that tends at the inception of the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2010 consists of Davey Allison, Alan Kowicki, Jeff Gordon, Roger Penske, and Jack Roush. In addition, NASCAR announced that Jim Hunter earned the 2019 Landmark Award for Outstanding Contributions to NASCAR. This distinguished group will be honored during the NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony on February 1st of next year. The NASCAR Hall of Fame voting panel met in the closed session at the Charlotte Convention Center to debate and vote upon the 20 nominees for the induction class of 2019 and the five nominees for the Landmark Award. As stated by our last guest, Ricky Wood was one of the people who was on as a potential nominee. The class of 2019 was determined by votes cast by the voting panel, including representatives from NASCAR, the NASCAR Hall of Fame, track owners from major facilities and historic short tracks, media members, manufacturer representatives, competitors, drivers, owners, crew chiefs, recognized industry leaders, a nationwide fan vote connected through NASCAR.com, and for the fifth year, the reigning Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion this year, Martin Truex Jr. In all, 57 votes were cast, with two additional voting panel members recused from voting as potential nominees for induction. Those being, of course, Ricky Rudd and Waddell Wilson. The accounting firm of EY presided over the termination of the votes. Voting came out as follows, with Jeff Gordon with 96% of the vote, not surprisingly. Jack Roush with 70%, Roger Fancy with 68%, Davey Allison with 63%, and Alan Kowicki with 46%. The next top vote readers were Buddy Baker, Herschel McGriff, and Waddell Wilson. Results for the NASCAR.com fan vote in alphabetical order were Davey Allison, Buddy Baker, Harry Gant, Jeff Gordon, and Alan Kulwicki. The five inductees came from a group of 20 nominees that included, in addition to the five inductees chosen, Buddy Baker, 
Red Farmer, Reggie Fox, Harry Gant, Joe Gibbs, John Holman, Harry Hyde, Bobby Labonte, Herschel McGriff, Ralph Moody, Larry Phillips, Ricky Rudd, Kurt Shelmerdine, Mike Stefanik, and Waddell Wilson. Nominees for the Landmark Award include Janet Guthrie, Barney Hall, Alvin Hawkins, Hunter, and Ralph Seagraves. The Class of 2019 Induction Weekend is set for Thursday, July 31st, 2019 through Saturday, February 2nd, 2019 at the NASCAR Hall of Fame and Charlotte Convention Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. The official induction ceremony will take place on Friday, February 1st, 2019. The class of 2019 marks the 10th class and a total of 50 legends inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. To celebrate the momentous occasion, new events and special programs have been added throughout the extended weekend. Tickets to the induction ceremony events begin at $75 per person, plus tax and medical service fees. Tickets are to go on sale on Saturday, June 9th. 2018 at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. A special pre-sale will be available to NASCAR Hall of Fame members starting Wednesday, May 30th. That's next Wednesday through Friday, June the 8th of this year. To learn about being becoming a NASCAR Hall of Fame member, visit nascarhall.com membership. And for additional details about the Class of 2019 induction weekend schedule and ticket prices, visit nascarhall.com slash inductees slash induction dash ceremony. As we've talked about on this program numerous times in the past several weeks, uh, the uh, Red Bull Global Rallycross ended its season before it even began with a uh, an interesting thing where they basically informed all the competitors and the speedways that they were supposed to compete at that they just weren't going to be there. There have been other numerous reports in the past few weeks about the reasoning for that, some of it with the uh, fact that Colin Dine, who was the president of the of the Red Bull Global Rallycross, simply hadn't been paying his bills. He'd been making up his own numbers as to what he thought he owed the facilities that they were racing at. In some cases, he was paying a little bit. In other cases, he wasn't paying a thing. And that really doesn't work out very well. So now there's going to be a new Rallycross team in town. As as Volkswagen and Dre Rallycross was the first team to announce their return to competition this year, joining the newly launched America's Rallycross Series. The Indianapolis-based team will continue to campaign the Beatles that have earned them multiple championships over the past four years. Driver Scott Speed and Tanner Faust hope to add to their previous success in this exciting new series. The America's Rallycross season begins May 25th through the 27th, which is tomorrow, in fact, in Silverstone, England, on the brand new Silverstone Rallycross circuit during the Speed Machine Festival. The America's Rallycross opener will be held in conjunction with the British round of the 2018 World Rallycross Championship, which they are now directly involved with. It's sort of a the America's Rallycross will be the the uh, U.S. version of the World Rallycross Championship. It appears like the World Rallycross will actually be in control of the America's Rallycross. There is no longer a title sponsor, which isn't surprising. And it'll be an interesting year for them. Hopefully next year they'll show up in a few more places. This year they're going to be first, of course, at Silverstone. Then they'll be at the Circuit of Americas in July. They'll be at, uh, at Circuit Trois-Rivières in Canada on August, early August, the 4th and 5th. And then they'll return to the sort of the Americas in September, on September 29th. 
It's going to be an awesome time there for the America's Rallycross series. I kind of hope that they're on TV. I know that the, uh, the fact that the other series kind of fell apart will probably have a negative effect on that. But it is my hope, in fact, that they will show up there. Should be pretty cool. And it should be interesting indeed. It was probably one of the best races I've ever been to when we went down to the Red Bull Global Rallycross event in Fort Lauderdale. Took place in the parking lot of a hotel there on the beach. Uh, they actually had a, a dirt section. Uh, they had an awesome jump. Um, they had all sorts of really cool stuff there. And it's kind of sad that the uh, the Red Bull Global Rallycross season fell apart. They didn't really go back to the same tracks over and over again. And I think part of that reason is the fact that Colin Dine there, the head of the organization, wasn't paying his bills. And uh, you can't really get away with that, attempt to go back to another, to the same track year after year. Hopefully, with a new organized season, uh, new organized event under the uh, America's Rallycross thing, should be pretty cool. There will be a highlight show on CBS Sports that won't have the full events. But if you're interested in more information about the America's Rallycross season, as I am, definitely, visit facebook.com slash ARX Rallycross, which I'm actually going to go visit after the show is over this evening. And I'll have that as one of the liked pages, uh, linked to the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page as well. So be sure to check that out. I might even put it in there as a link on the page. I think I'll probably do that as well. At this point, before we get to our next guest, Let's go ahead and and play a selection from Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew. Let's find a good one here that we haven't listened to in a while. Let's go ahead with Speedway Lady.
Hi, this is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. It's now year three of the EcoCar 3 competition. Sixteen teams from across the U.S. and Canada have come up with designs they believe will make a 2016 Chevy Camaro an even more energy-efficient version of this classic American car. Engineering students across the country have spent years participating in the U.S. Department of Energy's Advanced Vehicle Technology Competitions, turning standard vehicles into environmentally friendly and fuel-efficient plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. Being green shouldn't mean opting out of performance. All 16 teams are going to be turning into hybrid hybrid electric powertrains. The question is, who can do the best job of taking those ideas from drawing board to actual, actual implementation? The teams are Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Penn State, the University of Waterloo, California State University, LA, McMaster University, the University of Alabama, Virginia Tech, Colorado State University, Mississippi State University, University of Tennessee, Wayne State University, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, Ohio State University, University of Washington, and West Virginia University. Recently, Ann Schenkler, Director of Argonne Center for Transportation Research, and Samuel Reisel, Virginia Tech student, sat down to answer a few questions about the competition, and we're happy to bring, bring that interview to you tonight. And we've covered the EcoCar 3 competition in the past, but what can you share for those that might not know exactly what it is? Happy to. So EcoCar 3 is a student vehicle competition, and it's sponsored by the Department of Energy and General Motors and managed by Argonne National Laboratories. So it's a four-year student competition with graduate and undergraduate students and they actually emulate the product development process that you would find in the auto industry or in suppliers. So these students uh, move forward with uh, identifying the target market and who their customer would be and uh, what the vehicle technical specifications are, and then they move to defining an architecture for the vehicle and what components they need to select in year two. Year three and four are about integration and ultimately refinement to improve the performance, to lower the emissions and improve the fuel economy out of the vehicle, and also to include in some innovation. So the past couple of years have really been that refinement. They've had their vehicles up and running, and so that's exciting in itself, and, uh, and then they're making all these incremental improvements into it. Why is this year so important? So they are scored. A lot of uh, judged events happened this year. They've been out at a, a racetrack. They've been doing zero to 60 autocross with slalom courses. They've been doing braking exercises. 
and then of course uh, presentations as well, because that's also real world uh, to be able to develop the teaming and the leadership skills. How does this program help students for life after college? So the program is core, an engineering program. It's about vehicle development and engineering strengths, whether those be mechanical engineering or computer science engineering or controls and embedded electronics. But more than that, the program has been expanded to recognize the business skills that are so critical to industry as well. So business and communication and marketing are also included in that program. So these students get a great, robust curriculum back with their faculty, but even more than that, they get all this hands-on experience as well as the leadership and uh, in team and trade-off experiences that really put them, uh, I would suggest, a leg up against all their other competition as they get out of school. Samuel, what team are you on and what's your role on that team? Uh, I'm on the Virginia Tech hybrid electric vehicle team, uh, and originally when I started back in year one, I was uh, just one of the people doing some of the kind of small tasks at whatever needed done, but at this point in year four, I'm actually in charge of all of the controls development for the vehicle, so uh, from requirements all the way to how the car actually behaves when the driver gets behind the wheel. Uh, we write all the code to have all the components interact properly and give the driver what they want. What have some of your favorite moments of the competition been? Uh, best moments, uh, definitely the, the first night that we got the engine running. Uh, we stayed in the lab pretty late, uh, and then uh, it was having some trouble, and we finally got it running, and only three of us were actually there, and we got to surprise uh, pretty much the rest of the team the next day with it actually running because when they went to bed, uh, nothing was actually working yet. With this being your final year, what's next for you? Um, there's a couple of things we want to do actually after the competition to finish up uh, the vehicle, but uh, I'm finishing up my master's once we get back from competition, and then I'm going out to work in the industry. If you're interested in more information on the Eco3 competition, Eco3 car competition, issue Eco Car 3 competition, excuse me, you can look them up on Facebook. That's where I found a lot of their information. And it should be an interesting competition, interesting to see how it goes this year. I'm not sure how much cooperation they're getting from the Department of Energy as it's been restructured since the election, but you never know. And it's uh, it's interesting to see how, how it will change the whole issue of fuel economy and all that. Um, as everyone here knows, uh, the fuel prices are currently at a five-year high. Uh, it's uh, It's pretty bad. <laughs> to see them over $3 again at a lot of gas stations. So <clears throat> hopefully the Eco, Eco Car 3 competition has uh, makes the cars a little bit more efficient. And uh, then you won't have to worry about that price quite as often when you hit the gas station, although it was definitely nice when it used to be under $2 for, uh, for quite a couple, of, for a couple of years there under the Obama administration. Are you a race car driver, crew chief? pit member, track owner, maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Heck, maybe you wrote a book about it and you'd like to share it with the world. Contact either Michael Mullally or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you.
this weekend, indeed, as I stated earlier, before I was cut off by the gremlins in my telephone, um, the, uh, it'll be a really busy weekend of racing with the, the Coca-Cola 600, the Indy 500, as well as the race in Monaco. So be sure to check your local listings about that. Um, those are all amazing races. Tomorrow night, of course, is the uh, there's going to be an Xfinity race in at the uh, Speedway tonight. There's a truck series or an ARCA series race there. So it should be a good weekend of racing. It should be pretty awesome. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at speedwaydigestradionetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at speedwaydigest.com. I have been trying to keep up with those articles in the past few days, making them a little more timely. Um, so there will actually be a couple coming out this evening as well. So be sure to check out the racing news section of speedwaydigest.com. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which will be found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. We just announced our latest contest, which is a Memorial Day contest. So be sure to check out the Facebook page for Palm Beach Happening, which we found at facebook.com slash Palm Beach Happening. All one word, of course. There will be some, there's some amazing prizes, including a, a uh, firearms training course. We're working on some other different prizes as well. So it should be a really, really amazing contest. Um, I think that the, uh, we've got some pretty cool ideas for future contests as well. And we're trying to expand Palm Beach Happening as much as possible to try and make it your source for information about the Palm Beaches and beyond. Be sure to check it out. I'm very proud of it. I'm actually uh, almost as proud as I am of the work we've done here on Thursday Night Thunder to make this one of the best motorsports programs on a Thursday night on the Speedway Digest Radio Network anyway. <laughs> and probably one of the one of the most uh, interesting shows that covers motorsports on a weekly basis, or at least almost weekly. I hope you enjoy it. I definitely enjoy bringing it to you. Once again, we apologize for not having Michael Mullally on the show this evening. I know she is a popular part of the program. Unfortunately, she had some other issues to attend to up there in uh, in Afraid of Washington. She is trying to uh, her best to make sure that she'll be here next week. She actually has a uh, guest who uh, competes in racing in Oklahoma who has agreed to come on the program. I told her to hold off on him until she's able to be on the program and interview him because she did pick up him as one of the guests for the program, which I truly appreciate. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to have a few more authors on the show to talk about the uh, their writings about the world of motorsports. Hopefully, you enjoyed that this evening, and hopefully, you go out and pick up the the book. Here. J.D., The Life and Death of a Forgotten NASCAR Legend. As I stated earlier, that does come out this summer. In July, I believe it's July 15th. Thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. There'll be a lot to discuss. We'll be reviewing the racing at Charlotte, the racing from Monaco, and the racing from the Indianapolis 500. We'll also be talking a little bit about the Freedom 100, which we've been previewing this uh, the past few weeks. Again, we're hoping to have uh, 
if not himself on the show, maybe some uh, some insight from Pato Award. We wish lots of luck in tomorrow's race. Uh, for those of you who are fans of The Bachelor, um, I'll bring an article about that momentarily. But Ari Leindyke Jr. himself will be giving the command to start your engines tomorrow for the Freedom 100. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Good night.